Welcome to Miss Lou Matters, a weekly public affairs program featuring topics of local interest. Miss Lou Matters is produced by Listen Up Y'all Media and listenupyall.com. We've got a special guest calling into our studio today, Dr. Blaine Meir, who is on Natchez Mayor Daryl Grinnell's COVID-19 Coronavirus Task Force. We got a lot of good questions submitted to Dr. Meir on our text line and on our Facebook page. And uh, we're here to talk about not what's been said, because that's already been said a million times about coronavirus, COVID-19, where we are today. Mississippi wants to try to reopen. Louisiana just announced they're extending the shelter in place uh, orders for another couple of weeks, but then they're going to try to reopen. So that's where we are today. And those are the kind of questions we're going to ask. Dr. Mir, thanks for calling us in today. Oh, good morning, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Um, people have a lot on their mind. And one of the questions we got a lot, people wonder how to keep themselves safe when they go back to work. Because people want to go back to work. We've got teachers that want to get back into school that see a lot of students every day. We've got listeners that live with elderly parents and they're getting called back into work and they really want to go back to work because they're kind of losing their minds. But they don't want to bring coronavirus home to their parents that are elderly. What's the how, how do if we want to go back to work or we are going back to work, how do we keep ourselves safe right now? Well, that is the big answer, big question right now. And what I will say is what we do know is these 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 measures that we've had in place over the past few weeks are, are working. And we've seen a, a tremendous drop in the anticipated predicted cases and, and death rates across the country, including in Mississippi and, and locally. Thank God. But, right. but now, you know, we do want to go back to work, and we uh, and that's where I've, I've been part of uh, the two task forces in town for COVID-19 and for the economic recovery. And what we do realize from a, from a my medical standpoint is that we had to put in guidelines for businesses because they they're asking for them. And if for you if you want to go back to work, you know, a lot of my patients are saying they want me back to work next week. What do I do? And certainly people want to, the business owners want to know how they're going to get customers in their doors safely. So it really comes down to very simple, simple guidelines. Businesses uh, across our area need to take on that responsibility to say, we're going to make this a safe place to come. We're going to make this a safe location. And how do you do that? And first of all, uh, we, we're, going to, we're going to send out some benchmarks for businesses that we expect them to try to, 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 try to accomplish. And if they do accomplish that, we can they can even be labeled as a very safe location, so our community knows, hey, this is where I can potentially get out if you have to, and, and be a safe place for, uh, to to shop locally. So it's more important for the owners and the managers of these businesses to protect their employees first and foremost, and that includes all the things we've been doing. Andrew it includes includes wearing those masks, and we can talk about all the reasons to wear the mask. But that's very important for. If you're if you're an employee, you want to know you're in. If you're coming into your employment situation, that your your uh, boss has set up the social distancing uh, correctly. That you're 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 uh, you're protected from your other employees. You're protected from customers that come to the door. Masks, hand washing, sanitizing everything between customers and clients. All these things have to continue to be part of the everyday process and habit. And if we do that, employees will feel comfortable. Okay, we have a lot of teachers that listen to us here at 95 Country, and they all want to go back to school and see their students and everything like that. But, you know, 
classroom with 25, 30 kids or teachers that teach in higher grades, middle school and high school, you know, they might see 60, 70, 80 students a day. What's the best way that teachers can keep themselves safe when they go back to school? Well, you know, that's, that, that's a great question because what we know is the students themselves, as everyone knows, are not quite as vulnerable to this to this illness. And most likely, if we can, can mass test these kids, we'll find that a, a, a good percentage of those of these uh, young people have already been exposed and probably never even exhibited symptoms. But as everyone knows, if you're an asymptomatic carrier during the time when you're infectious, you can still spread it around uh, and give it to, to, more, to more vulnerable folks out in the population. And look, some teachers uh, understand that they're, they may have uh, pre-existing conditions and they, they know they're at greater risk. And classrooms um, you know, notoriously are full and, we, and it's very hard to social distance. But, you know, we're going to have to I just I don't have all the answers to that. Certainly, that's uh, there's a lot of experts out there in, this, in in the education world working this out, trying to figure out what's going to happen in three months and four months. I, you know, we all hate that prom and graduation and all these things have been disrupted, but it's just a necessary part of the process. But we're going to have to get innovative. We're going to have I've read all about the ideas about continuing some forms of of home learning and online learning, and uh, and of course the classrooms are going to at least for the foreseeable future, if they do find a way to open up in the fall, they're going to have to continue to uh, to practice social distancing and all those protective measures that we just talked about uh, uh, with businesses. And they're going to have to figure this out. And maybe, you know, I just, I just want to find silver linings everywhere, and I hope this is an opportunity, you know, to, to let to, to get this, this uh, program together, get innovative, get technology uh, in the hands of the teachers and let these teachers uh, really uh, use innovation to find ways to make this happen. But but look, we we just don't know. We're taking this right now. Even the experts at the highest level are taking this thing two weeks at a time, basically. Right. We just got to get we got to get to the end of May and hope that um, this virus responds like other viruses, like it's, it has in the past, and really slows down in the heat of the summer. Gives us some time to say, okay, this, we have to see this spread stop. Uh, and we have to then reevaluate whether or not what's going to be safe in the classroom in three months. And you brought up a good point, and uh, that was a great explanation for uh, teachers and school administrators out there. You brought up a good point, is we just don't know. Not even the experts know. And I think that's what's causing a lot of, a lot of concern and anxiety for people. And for uh, people that have anxiety disorders and panic disorders, this uncertainty is really, it, it's driving them, driving them crazy and being shut in on top of it. What can people who have anxiety and panic issues do to try to calm and center themselves so they can so they can function while all this is going on? Well, look, the most important thing for all of us to do, and, and where I've tried to come in uh, to some aspect, is just provide the facts about about the coronavirus. Provide if, if you know if you're anxious person or not. This 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 whole pandemic has made all of us a little more anxious. Right. And certainly I understand. I treat a lot of folks with anxiety disorders. I've talked to them every day about it. And what I try to do is say, here are the facts, and here are some ways you can make sure you're protecting yourself. If you do these things, if you do these things and protect yourself, you will not get coronavirus. That's the first and foremost thing to know. You can fully protect yourself. It's not going to just, you're not going to accidentally walk through coronavirus. You can protect yourself if you have to get out in public, or and you, you can protect yourself in how you manage at home or at work. Now, on the, look, look, I take this a, a step further and, and let everyone know 
that the number one way to reduce stress and anxiety during any type of stressful time is to take care of yourself. And so as a doctor, I always want to take the opportunity to say people that are healthier, people that are exercising, eating healthy, reducing the amount of refined sugars and and processed uh, meats and and, and, and uh, in their diets are going to be healthier. And when you're healthier, you have less uh, less of a chance to getting to get really sick from the coronavirus or the flu or any other infectious disease. Much uh, much less uh, all the other diseases out there. So I know that's sort of expanding its way out, but it is really important to know. Look, exercise is the best way to reduce stress. So have, get the facts. Understand that you don't. Uh, let's have facts over fear. And uh, we can all be a little anxious, but if we know how we can com- completely control this thing for ourselves and get out and take better care of yourself. Right now, if you have opportunities, you can still get outside in the sunshine and take better care of yourself, of course, if you can handle the gnats. Right, right. <laughs> well, a lot of places around town have different kind of gnat sprays, and they all seem to work pretty well. I got one from uh, Home Hardware recently that um, smells kind of... Kind of herbal and interesting, but um, the gnats definitely stay away, so there are products out there. So let's, speaking of facts, you know, people are very concerned about their food supply. You know, can, what's on my food? Can this get in my food? And a question we got a few times is, can the virus live on frozen or refrigerated food? Well, a quick answer there is we don't think so. We don't, we, okay. we know that uh, the virus uh, is, is sort of disrupted very easily by temperature change. Uh, you, that's why it's so easy just to get rid of it when you wash your hands for just 15 to 20 seconds with soap and water, and it just can be lukewarm water. But it doesn't do well if you uh, if you freeze it, or you uh, 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 and uh, it doesn't do well on food. And look, overall, just on food it sources itself, it isn't known to uh, live and spread on food itself. So I wouldn't worry about that. If you have any concerns about bringing food home, the most important thing to do is heat it up if you can, because certainly heating it up for a few seconds in a microwave will make sure that there's no chance of there being any cross-contamination on your food. If you come from back from the grocery store, make sure you just wash off your produce. If you just wash your produce off and just move with water, uh, just for 15, 20 seconds, it's going to take care of the problem. And look, this, this brings up the bigger issue about takeout, takeout and delivery, eating out in, in restaurants in the near future. Hopefully, we'll be able to have opportunities to do those sort of things. Realize it's not, it's not going to be the food that's going to be the problem here. But more likely, we have to that we have to make sure again that the the folks that are delivering the food to you and prepare and preparing the food are doing all the things they need to do to protect you. Because if you pick up delivery food, the, the one thing I say if you're concerned about anything is make sure that you're handling the bag that it's in and the packaging that it's in. And because we do understand at least the virus can live for a time on those sort of surfaces. But as long as you're managing those well and remove, removing that food from that source eliminating that source and putting it on your own uh, uh, plates at home. And look, the most important thing is once you do all these things, no matter what you do, if you are if you feel like there's a ch- one single chance you can cross-contaminate it by anything you pick up at a store, as long as you wash your hands before you touch your face, <laughs> you're right. going to be fine. You just have to remember that. Okay, and that would probably go for, uh, you know, the packages we get delivered, you know, mail, UPS, FedEx, and all that stuff. Should we be wiping those down? With a Lysol wipe, like the package itself, and then what about the stuff inside that you're getting right. delivered? So, so if you get a package one day and you just can't stand it and you have to open it, then of course it's probably smart to wipe it down. Okay, wipe it down because it's not about where the package came from; it's it's the delivery. So, so right. if if for, for some reason your delivery person or someone who handled the package in the last uh, you know day or so 
uh, with potentially an asymptomatic carrier, that's the person that would put their you know, cross-contamination on the product, not somebody who shipped it two or three days ago. So if you, if, you, if you can let it sit for 24 hours, then don't worry about it. But if you have to open it that day, you've got to see what's inside. Once you open it and your hands are clean and you've discarded the box and your hands are clean, then what's inside the box is not going to be a risk for you. Okay, excellent. We got a lot of questions about the virus itself. One, a couple of questions were about how it spreads. Can mosquitoes spread the coronavirus? I can't seem to get a straight answer on this. Someone submitted that to our text line. So, does medical research know? Yes or no? Can uh, mosquitoes spread this thing? Uh, the straightest answer I can give you is no, they don't. Okay, it's good. Not, it's, it's not a virus that is carried in mosquitoes. We, okay. We think it. You know, we we this other. There's other sort of thoughts there. Of course, we think it came from Wuhan, China. We think it came from a, a major lab there. We think it may have spread via either uh, bats, but there's also some other uh, animal animals out there that are animals we don't really know of here in the U.S., like pangolins, for instance, that have similar coronaviruses in their genetic that have been found in them that relate to the coronavirus. So. So, look, look, right now all we know is at this point it doesn't so matter so much, right, where it came from now. We do, we know now it's in human-to-human tra- transfer, and we worry most right now about asymptomatic human transfer because those are the folks that are still out there and don't know they have it but could cr- be cross-contaminating and putting higher-risk patient people at risk. Is that the medical field's biggest concern about coronavirus COVID-19 is those asymptomatic carriers? Because I see it's anywhere from 20 to 30 percent of people can get this, show zero symptoms, but they're infectious for a certain time while they carry it. That is that what is the greatest concern for medical science? I think so right now. That has to be. Uh, obviously, our greatest concern is the higher risk population, our elderly folks. Of course. People with pre-existing conditions coming down with the virus, but... To your point, it's the asymptomatic or just minimally symptomatic population. That's our healthier population, teenagers, young adults, and middle-aged adults that are healthy, that are out, out there working. They're out there. They have to work. They're in, maybe they've been in the essential services all along, and maybe they've been in situations that have taken a while to get the good preventive practices in place, or you're in a high-volume area like a grocery store, pharmacy, gas station, and that's been a, that's been a problem, a potential problem with cross-contamination, of course, then, then yeah, that spread, that asymptomatic spread and sort of the lack of adherence to the guidelines in that group. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying this. When you have less, when you're being told you're less likely to get sick, then, you're less, then maybe you may be less likely to do what you have to do to protect everybody else. And I, look, our community has come a long way with that in the last few weeks. I'm Personally, I'm extremely proud of our community for doing that because the first few weeks I was pulling my hair out and, and talking to people, and try, especially in these these uh, these areas that of high volume. Uh, but they just weren't uh, they weren't knowledgeable enough about the problem. They weren't. Uh, it, it was more of an inconvenience at the time. But you know, it t- it's taken some time for us to realize the seriousness of this, even here in Adams County and Concordia Parish and our surrounding area. And uh, people get it now. And uh, but now we, I know that we're Coming antsy and frustrated and ready to, to to get over this thing. I just I just caution everybody. Let's do this thing right. Let's let's follow these new guidelines coming out. Let's protect your protect yourself and 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 protect others. Have every have your whole community in mind, and we can get through this. But it's going to take. It's not going to be over this week or next week. We can't get back to normal that quickly. But we can we can gradually get there 
And uh, I, I want us to, to get open as much as anybody, but we have to do it correctly so we don't get another spike in numbers. So what do you think will happen first, a treatment for coronavirus COVID-19 or a vaccine for it? Well, look, it's, uh, it, it, it certainly sounds more like we're going to find some treatments. We need a, we need a whole medicine bag of treatments. And right. we just had this, uh, this week we found out that remdesivir, which is a, a, a broad-spectrum antiviral medication that's been on the experimental list for years, try, using, trying to use it with other pandemics. They tried it in Ebola. It had some initial success, and then it, and then it really ended up not being, uh, being uh, a significant benefit. But, you know, the fact that these studies came out this week, uh, one fairly large study they did very quickly, which is amazing, a 1,000 patients showed a 31% reduction of uh, hospitalization time and a, a slight reduction in death rates. So and now there's, now there's multiple trials going around the world. The world's chasing this thing. So we're going to get answers on this drug and many other drugs in a short amount of time. And if we don't have a vaccine, look, we get a vaccine in a year, even 18 months, you know, Everybody has to understand that's that's warp speed for for getting vaccinations uh, uh, tried and approved. That's that's very difficult. You have to have human trials. You have to prove that it's safe and effective over long periods of time. And so we can't we can't rush those things to to market. But we can come up with a bag of treatment options that stymies this virus, blocks it at, at where it re- replicates, like the remdesivir does, and keeps it from going crazy in our bodies, which leads in some cases, folks into really, really significant symptoms. And, of course, we've seen people not survive because of that. So the city of Los Angeles announced a couple of days ago that they're going to be offering free testing to every L.A. resident, even for people that aren't showing symptoms of COVID-19. And a lot of people want there to be more testing. They want it to be more accessible. They want it to be easier. They want it to be closer to home. When is that going to happen here? Can you give us an idea? Well, look, L.A. is a totally different situation than us Agreed. in terms of population uh, and, and, and funding, for that matter. You know, Mississippi, is a, uh, that's a public health side issue, of course, Andrew. That means, okay. uh, you know, for us, if we were going to get free testing, that would have to be funded through the state uh, public health. It would have to, uh, they, uh, and quite frankly, even in our state, it's not anybody's fault, but we don't have the capacity to mass test like that. We okay. don't have it. We had to reach, you know, and we've done the most, by far, the most outpatient testing for COVID-19 uh, within our clinics. And we've, we've now on our fifth lab, we have couriers that have to take our, our testing out of town. And get them. thankfully, we're getting it back within 18 to 24 hours with results, which is great. But, but what I'm saying is the capacity in our state is not there. In L.A., obviously, it's there. They, they have the labs and machinery that allows them to mass test. And I'll say something about testing really quickly. When they're, when they're mass testing folks for active infection, they're going to have a very low yield. Uh, you know, we're looking, we're certainly, if you're, if you're just testing all asymptomatic patients for active infection, that means you're counting on catching it within a 14-day window, right? Okay. And so those, those folks they're testing this week, if they're doing that, could easily turn around and get infected uh, two days later or next week. And so That's it sounds point. wonderful, but it's, it's, still, it's still much more valuable to test folks uh, that, uh, that are symptomatic or, or at least mildly symptomatic and test folks that have, have had sort of high exposure risk. So if you're asymptomatic but you were just exposed to somebody at work 
or, or at home or in the store, you know tested positive yesterday, that may be someone that should be tested. But just to go get tested for active infection is going to be have a low yield. Now, but test, now, now the, the idea of testing, antibody testing is a whole different situation. Okay. And, we're, and we're very big uh, proponents of that. And matter of fact, we are going to start doing antibody testing here within the next week. And that's, the, that's a testing that businesses and schools may be able to use as part of their arsenal to find out who has been exposed. And then, therefore, antibodies in the system tell you that they've been exposed and their bodies have responded and they're developing some form of immunity within their own system. Okay, excellent. Let's circle back to um, people getting back to work, because a lot of people are needing, either really want to or really need to get back to work or they're being called back into work in the next couple of weeks. And specifically masks, you've mentioned, you know, that, that if you have to go back to work and you're going to be exposed, that masks are very important. Is there a certain requirement as to like the fabric, the thickness, the breathability of masks? And are there some masks that would be fine for like restaurant workers or front desk workers at a business, but not good enough for hospital use and medical workers? Yes, yes, of okay. course. And so what we do know is that, remember, we've got to remember this as the general public and as uh, as just as, in terms of non-medical uh, uh, services and businesses, is that mask, when you wear that mask as an employee, uh, no matter what that mask is made of, what you're doing, what you're, what you're doing is you're protecting others from you because the virus is, is, is comes from droplets from a cough or sneeze. Okay. As long as you have as long as you have that mask on appropriately, covering your nose, in your mouth, and it should be covering across uh, down to your chin. Then, if you cough or sneeze or <clears throat> clear your throat, uh, and those droplets will not be able to air, get into the air, and not, won't be able to, to expose anybody else. So you're protecting yourself from others more than anything else. But it's important, to, and this is really important because we talked about this in our task forces. It can't just be the employee. We can't say the employees are going to wear this in these stores, but then so the customers can come in and do whatever they want. Right. We as customers have to be respectful and understand that we need to wear a mask inside these stores too. One, to protect ourselves, but mainly to protect others from, from us too. It's not fair to ask the employees to do this if we're not going to do the same for them. And what, another thing masks do, Andrew, that is really important as we preach this, I have it on a T-shirt. It says, wash your hands, don't touch your face. And the don't touch your face issue is really important. And, you know, a mask can help remind you, if you if you get that mask in place before you go into that store or into a, a setting where there's a, a larger population of folks that put you at risk, that mask is going to help remind you, if you're touching on things that could be cross-contaminated, it's going gonna, it's gonna to say, remind you, don't touch my face directly. Don't don't scratch my nose or, or my mouth or uh, and, and that, for you, reduce, reducing the risk of you cross-contaminating into yourself. Uh, so that's really important. The type of mask is not as important. That's why the CDC and most and, and most uh, medical experts are saying just some type of cloth mask is fine. A cloth mask is breathable. Uh, uh, we like a lot of our a lot of our folks in town that are making these masks are doing an awesome job. And we appreciate it so much. Yeah, masks of the Miss Lou. It's a great group them, of folks. Uh, in the after hours and upstairs, but. There, double, a double layer of cloth is fine. Okay, that's going to be that's going to be protective. And you know the cloth is breathable. It's 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 not that uncomfortable. And the, more importantly, it's washable and reusable. Right. Okay. The, those N95 masks should only be given uh, be used in in the in, in medical situations like we have with our nurse practitioners and uh, doctors who are directly testing 
uh, symptomatic patients, and certainly in the hospital when they're doing the same thing. Other than that, we don't need to do that. Okay, so just a, a cloth mask, a homemade mask, um, bandana folded over a couple times, that's, that's just fine for normal folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just do it. We just, the more important thing is don't just do it. Don't, don't think you don't have to do it. Don't say, don't say it's an inconvenience for you. Don't say you're too cool to do it. This is you doing it for yourself to protect yourself. But more importantly, whether you think you're fine or not, you can be an asymptomatic carrier. You're protecting others. Respect the businesses that need to open up. We want our businesses open. Respect them for them following the benchmarks and them, and them making sure their employees are educated and taking care of you when you come in their stores. And we want to reward, we want as a community to reward those stores that are, are achieving all those benchmarks and doing the right thing. You want to feel comfortable as a consumer going in those stores and feel safe. But those employees and those employers want to feel safe too. So we all got to do our job. So let's move forward a couple of months to the fall, um, and specifically sports, because sports are big around here and people are dying for it. High school, college, pro sports. What's your thought about them playing this fall, and will they even have fans in the stands at all? Well, now you're really asking for my opinion here, right? That's okay. <laughs> and my, my, my hope and prayers are that we're going to all be on the, you know, on, on the fields in the fall. Okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately right now, my, uh, my confidence in that is not really high. And obviously, for the obvious reasons, we don't know. We don't know. Uh, we, uh, we, we need to take this one month at a time, extend right. with the extension of these guidelines until the end of May. Let's, let's, this is the, for the first time we need to be praying for 100-degree heat and 100-degree humidity. <laughs> that's, when, that's when viruses get lazy and they stop moving around, they get plump, and, and they don't spread as easily. And, we get, and, and if we continue to mitigate, use our mitigation techniques to protect ourselves, we may find, we may really get lucky and find uh, that we're going to have a really smooth summer. And if that's the case, then we might be able to plan more for the fall. But right now, I, you know, we, don't, we, don't, we can't uh, foresee us being able to pile in the stadiums and watch, watch uh, sports and football games. I've got, you know, I've got my LSU season tickets. I know my, a bunch of friends have their Saints tickets, our local high school. You know, I've got a daughter in high school as a cheerleader. I've got a daughter in college as a cheerleader. I, I get it. I mean, we... We, uh, we, we wanted to be able to do all these things, but right now we just uh, we, we have to plan to understand that this may not be a reality that quickly. And, I, and again, this is just opinion. This is not fact. We, uh, we, no expert knows. And like you said, it's four months away, and we're really taking this a, a week, two weeks, a month at a time. So no one can really see that far in the future. And again, a lot of it depends on, <laughs> like how you said it, we all need to pray for 100-degree days and 100% humidity all summer yeah. long. <laughs> Can you imagine with the beautiful weather right now, we're usually, usually saying, gosh, I wish we could have this forever. And now we're like, I'm thinking every day, let's get rid of this and get, let's get hot and humid. <laughs> all right. We've been talking with Dr. Blaine Meir here on 95 Country Today. Dr. Meir, thank you so much for taking some time. I know you're a busy guy. I know you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And with being on uh, two uh, COVID-19 task forces here in Natchez, thank you so much for coming on the air with us today and clearing up some things, sharing a whole bunch of really useful facts, helping people get back to work, facts about the virus, things that cleared, cleared up some misinformation out there, how to keep ourselves safe. I just want to thank you so much. And you keep yourself safe, too, sir, okay? 
we are doing we're following the protocols we're doing it so uh, i would just say thank you for having me i love talking about it because the more we talk about it and the more facts we put out there then then the more people are, are feel confident in how to handle this thing and i just i just want everybody to to, to remember that these new these new guidelines can can help us all so let's all take those seriously and let's get through this thing get our businesses back running smartly gradually safely and uh and we're going to get through this and, and, and be much better off on the other side you've been listening to miss lou matters the weekly public affairs program produced by listen up y'all media and listen up to be a future guest or for an audio copy of this program please email info at listen thanks for listening and join us next week for another edition of miss lou matters